Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Hey gang, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. My guest hardly requires introduction. I will recognize her today not only as a former first lady, United States Senator and, of course, Secretary of State, but now best-selling author of fiction. The book is called State of Terror. The co-authors, Louise Penny and my guest, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Madam Secretary, thank you so much for being my guest. I thoroughly enjoyed your book. Oh, thank you so much. I am really delighted to talk with you. So I I need, even though I can see you via Zoom, I I need to make sure that I'm not getting pranked and so that it really is Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Kindly, kindly finish this sentence for me. An oxymoron walked into a bar. (laughs) Well, you know, there are so many of those throughout the book, Mike. I mean, really, we are, you know, totally into little, what are they called? Little nuggets of... uh, uh, little Easter eggs, as they're called, and uh, you know, we—I right now I'm—I I can't remember that one because my brain is like stopped. And the, at the, and the silence, and the silence was deafening, and the <laughs> silence was deafening. 
little a little nerd humor along the way. Look, I love the book. Here's my critic. Here's my critique. It was yes. very fast paced. I feel like it's a combination combination of Grisham, Patterson, and Demille, which puts you in very good stead. I could yeah. use. A little more cussing, definitely more sex. The violence was what I'd anticipated. Well, first of all, I yeah. DF'd the book because my co-writer, Louise Penny, right. would have been right in your bailiwick, my friend, because <laughs> she wanted uh, a lot more profanity. And I said, oh, come on, come on. It's not It's not that much. Um, yeah, yeah, we probably, you know, we're women of a certain age, so we probably would have needed some consulting on the sex stuff. But uh, I'm glad you like the violence anyway. <laughs> Madam Secretary, I, I often begin, and I did this in your case, by starting in the acknowledgments. Mm -hmm. And I was richly rewarded for doing so. Tell me about Mrs. King's classroom at the field school in Park Ridge, Illinois, and how that actually plays in. I'm speaking, obviously, of your relationship with Betsy, but how does that factor into the writing of this book? Well, it really is an origin story um, because my best friend from sixth grade, Mrs. King's classroom, um, was an amazing woman named Betsy uh, Johnson Ebeling, and we became best friends there and stayed friends until... She passed away in uh, July of 2019. And she was the person who uh, I started reading Louise Penny mysteries with uh, years ago. And she gave an interview during my 2016 campaign and was asked by the reporter, so what do you and Hillary like to do? And she said a couple of things, but one she said was, you know, we always loved reading and then talking about the books we read and recommending books. Uh, you would have loved her. and. So the reporter said, well, so what are you reading now? And she could have said anything. And she said, Louise Penny, because that happened to be the book that we were reading uh, at the time, the latest in her Gamache series. Fast forward, um, Louise's publicist uh, from her publisher saw it. They reached out, asked if uh, Betsy wanted to meet Louise when she was promoting her latest book outside of Chicago, where Betsy still lived with her husband, Tom. They met, they you know, it was like friendship at first sight. And uh, I um, was lucky enough then to be introduced to Louise by Betsy. And so we became uh, great friends, but brought together by this extraordinary woman who had a gift for friendship. And in the acknowledgments, uh, that's part of what uh, I point out. So people would know, how did I end up writing a book with Louise Penny? And it's really because of my friend from sixth grade. Well, it's it's really quite a beautiful story, a sad story, because you lost your friend. Louise lost her husband. Uh, you had suffered the election loss. I mean, it's it's kind of a book born of loss. And then the two of you get together and you take on a responsibility that you'd never had before. You've authored several best-selling works of nonfiction, but, but this was a first for you. Right, it was. And I have to tell you, when um, I was approached by my attorney and agent, Bob Barnett, who you know well, and Louise was uh, approached by hers, uh, my initial response was, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think that's uh, something that I can do. I've never written fiction before. And Louise's was, well, you know, we're friends, but I, I've never collaborated. And uh, thanks to the persuasion of uh, both uh, of those uh, those gentlemen and our publishers, they said, well, at least talk about it, see if there's anything there. And once we began talking, we really were off to the races. And so we 
put our heads together to get um, an outline and we finished a 19 page outline shortly before the pandemic. And I really believe that it would have been much, much harder for us to have done this together if it hadn't been for the pandemic. I would have been traveling, she would have been off somewhere. Uh, so we mostly worked uh, over FaceTime, over phone, exchanging drafts, doing research. And it turned out to be an absolutely incredible experience because of course I could put to work what I had learned and, and done as Secretary of State. And Louise is a genius at creating characters and her imagination is just <laughs> amazing. So it turned out to be a lot of fun. I have to call BS in terms of it being entirely a work of fiction, though. I mean, OK, the, the protagonist is Ellen Adams, a secretary of state. I want my listeners to see if any of this sounds familiar. She is a very hard worker. She is wicked smart. She likes her Chardonnay. That's a good thing. She has a very talented daughter. And she ultimately battles both a Russian and a former United States president who is holed up in a Palm Beach mansion. He is not particularly bright. Does it sound familiar? You know, some people have pointed that out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there may well be some uh, you know, comparisons that are apt, although this is, I will be quick to say, fiction. But how could we have lived through... Right. You know, the prior four years and not uh, have, you know, shaken our head in wonderment and despair that look, I mean, at the crazy things that are happening in our country right now. Who would have ever thought any of that was possible? I, I promise a lot of rich reality to draw from. I, I promise no spoilers, but Chapter 34, Secretary Adams motorcade arrived at the tall gold gates at the front of Eric Dunn's Florida estate further along. Uh, he was large, immense. In fact, Ellen had met him many times, though only in passing at social events. She'd found him amusing, charming even, though uninterested in others and easily bored when the spotlight shifted to anyone else. Yes, indeed, it sounds familiar. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, indeed. And, you know, really trying to hold on to the attention of an entire country and even a world uh, requires you to keep upping the ante, doesn't it? And you have to get more and more outrageous and you have to be willing to uh, not only perform and entertain, but cross all kinds of boundaries that, uh, <laughs> you know, undermine our institutions and the rule of law. So the the book is also a cautionary tale, which you picked up on. It's, uh, it is a thriller. It's meant to keep you on the edge of your seat. Uh, it is kind of unusual in the thriller category. You mentioned some of my favorites, uh, which was quite flattering, but, you know, they don't usually have women protagonists. We have two of them, Ellen and her best friend, Betsy. Um, so there is a lot that is, uh, I think, familiar to readers, uh, including uh, a coup plot and also uh, the dangers of uh, withdrawing from Afghanistan without a plan. So there, there are many uh, questions that this book raises that I, I think readers are finding quite interesting to uh, think about. So this is a collaboration. And because of the pandemic, Madam Secretary, you've also explained that you had to work remotely with Louise. Um, but take me into your writing room. Where are we? What's going on? Is there music playing? Is there incense burning? I, I want to understand how Hillary Clinton writes fiction. Well, the same way I write nonfiction, only um, it's, uh, you know, a lot more 
interesting to be, uh, you know, clear. Uh, I have a little, uh, I'm up in, on the third floor of my house right now um, okay. in Chippewa, New York. And uh, there's a, a bigger room, which is the one I'm in, filled with books and papers and all kinds of uh, research and materials for stuff I work on, including writing this book. And then I have a, another little room, which is my actual office. And, you know, I do listen. I listen to uh, music. Sometimes I listen to news. Sometimes I just need to take a break and I walk around. But I sit there and I am one of the uh, dinosaurs still around that writes by longhand. And when I wrote a book with my daughter called The Book of Gutsy Women that came out in 2019, she said, you know, I knew intellectually that you wrote by longhand, but I had no idea what that would mean. And I think Louise had the same experience. And my only only excuse is, well, so does Barack Obama. So I, I really do write by longhand. And then it's the way I think better. I, you know, I'm one of these people who crosses things out, makes arrows, turns the page over. It's what I've always done. And for this, which was actually liberating in a way, because I didn't have to dot every I, cross every T, make sure I could back up with a million facts. You remember facts? We used to think about and worry about facts. Yet I don't didn't have to do that. I had a lot more license than uh, any of the nonfiction I've written. I've written several nonfiction books and I've written one novel and I set out to write another nonfiction book about political polarization. This was a decade ago. And then I decided that maybe I could make it more entertaining if I wrote it in novel style. And I also thought, Madam Secretary, this will be easier. There aren't going to be footnotes. There aren't going to be endnotes. I can I can have some fun along the way. And I was wrong because it ended up for me being more arduous. Was writing mm. fiction easier or more difficult for you than nonfiction? In the beginning, it was more difficult because um, coming up with a plot, developing characters, trying to stay you know within the bounds of something that could have happened, uh, which was important to me. You know, that that took a lot of thought. And uh, I was blessed, though, because I had an experienced fiction writer. You know, my friend and collaborator, uh, Louise Penny, is, you know, someone who made the process for me a lot easier. Um, So I can I can relate to you both because, yes, part of it was harder kind of getting over some of the humps of figuring out how to do it and what worked and didn't work. DFing the book, which, you know, took a lot of time and effort. Um, but mostly it was a joy because I got to work with somebody who was just a, a, you know, a master of her craft. The book is a bestseller, but for the benefit of those who've not yet had the privilege of reading it, it is very fast paced. As as I point out, the protagonist is a secretary of, of state, um, kind of in this unusual uh, situation with the commander in chief because they were former rivals and continue to be. I'll leave that for the reader. Um, but it moves so quickly that as I was reading it, not only was I trying to keep everything straight, but I was wondering how you writing it made sure that there was continuity. I mean, is, is there like an area in Louise's house or your house where there are post-it notes all over the wall just to trying to keep – because you know there are going to be like fact checkers who are going to go in, even though it's a work of fiction, and say, ah, does this entirely make sense? Was that a concern? 
Oh, huge concern. And and you're right, especially for me, because, you know, I get I get criticized for, you know, waking up Everything. in the morning. <laughs> I had to be really clear. And I did a lot of the research and I reached out to people in certain areas where I needed some extra, extra expertise. So you're right. I had post-it notes. I had outlines. I had you know, lists. And, and even with all of the work and the effort, we also had a very thorough edit. And that turned out to be also helpful. Because, you know, it is like turning your baby over to somebody. And then they say, hey, you know, you never noticed this, you know, the, the baby has, you know, this problem or this issue. Well, we turned over the manuscript and then held our breath. Yeah, so it, I was really conscious of how I couldn't um, afford to make any mistake about anything that is in the real world. Um, so I did work really hard on that. And one of the great compliments I got is that, you know, a, a reader in Pakistan uh, just, you know, reached out through my publisher and basically said, uh, you know, I can't believe how right they got so much of the everything from the names and the language and, you know, the food that's served and the way that, you know, people behave and how they interact. So I've gotten a lot of good positive uh, reinforcement. Uh, haven't heard from anybody in Iran, so I don't know if they uh, know that we actually in the in the book go to Tehran. But uh, I'm waiting to see. This is not a one off, right? You're into this. You're successful in this. You're having oh, fun. I don't know. I mean, it was really fun. And talking to you, because I know how much you love books and you're I do. a writer. You know, it's so much fun. But boy, I don't, it, it was a big undertaking. And like I said, it was more possible because of the pandemic. Now I'm kind of back into, you know, doing a lot of other things. But we've certainly been asked that. And, and maybe when we catch our breath, we'll figure out if uh, it's possible to, you know, build on what we just did. Finally, the rivalry under your roof, because... President Clinton has had great success with James Patterson. I mean, the two of you, do you compare relative New York Times positions and so forth? <laughs> well, you know, we did. Um, and and uh, Jim Patterson uh, gave the book and I literally held my breath when I heard that the publishers had sent him a book because uh, he and his uh, wonderful wife, Sue, have become real friends of ours. And he actually liked it. And he, he that was huge and uh, gave us an amazing blurb for it. But, you know, their first book, The President is Missing, blew the top off um, sales. And, uh, you know, boy, I, I, I'm not sure anybody is going to uh, reach that level. But, uh, you know, we, we're, we have a friendly competition. If, if I'm offered an invitation to interview Secretary Hillary Clinton, the answer, of course, is yes. And I made that commitment without reading the book. The book is great. I mean, the oh. book is really, really terrific. And for people who enjoy the sort of things that interest me, who listen to a program like this, they will be totally into it, too, because it is a political thriller at its core. That's it. And it's very contemporary. And you will laugh along the way at the way in which Secretary Clinton and Louise Penny work in references to contemporary politics and politicians. So anyway, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I thoroughly enjoyed what you wrote. Oh, thank you. That means the world. And yeah, I know talking about state of terror in the holiday season may seem like an oxymoron, but it's a good read. It takes you out of where you, where we all are right now and, and have a happy and healthy holiday season, Michael. And to you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it very much. Okay, Secretary Clinton, Bye. ladies and gentlemen, the book is called State of Terror. State of Terror. You'll enjoy it. 
Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.